Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Charles Fox and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on this station at the usual time. Well, please join us as we welcome back our friend, singer-actress, Ruta Lee. Please join us for that. In the meantime, John Burlingame is with us here in the studio. John's latest book, Music for Prime Time, A History of American Television and Scoring, not only connects every conceivable genre of television to the composers who made these shows so memorable to the viewing public, but paints revealing portraits of such music makers as John Williams, Dave Grusin, Patrick Williams, Benny Carter, Oliver Nelson, Nelson Riddle, Earl Hagen, and many, many others. Music for Primetime, History of American Television Themes and Scoring, available bookstores everywhere, Oxford University Press, as well as Amazon.com. Want to jump back to Quinn Martin composers. John um, John Parker. I almost, oh, said, sure. I, I almost said John Cannon. John Parker. Because uh, I, I thought of him when you're when you're talking about some of the ways that composers improvised on television, and John Parker, if you're if you're a QM fan, he wrote uh, he wrote the theme to Canon. Um, he also wrote um, I don't uh, he didn't write the theme to Dallas, but he did a lot of the underscore for the first year of Dallas. That's right. He did Jock Ewing's thing. Dun 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 dun. dun. But. Um, and there's an oh, there's a whole album of John Parker's music just for Dallas. I'll have to, I'll have to look for that. Yeah, I'll have to look for that. That's one that, that's one of the reasons why the first year is one of my favorite years. But I want to talk about tubas because <laughs> because because in the pilot for Canon, I mean, this has been told many times because William Conrad was the, the gimmick of the show was you had an overweight detective, right? Um, he was the anti-Burt Reynolds. Right. You know, he used his car as a weapon, although and apparently he knew how to do throw. But as Cannon was driving along or walking up the stairs to interrogate, um, you know, the guest star of the week, you'd hit, one of the underscores was, bum, 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 you know, which I which I understand uh, Conrad himself didn't particularly care for, but that's one of the ways in which a composer can add character to the soundtrack of a show. That's exactly right. And and John Elizaldi, QM's music guy, was the guy who chose John Parker to do it. And Parker thought, I don't think he thought it would be funny necessarily. I think he thought that applying a tuba to this theme for this overweight detective would be appropriate as part of the character of the guy. And so... Um, but apparently, at least what I, from what Elizaldi told me, apparently Bill Conrad took offense yes. at the use of the tuba every time he showed up on screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so, uh, so Walter Gromman was uh, uh, he, he directed virtually he, he he was one of QM's go-to directors. Right. He direct I mean he directed almost I think he directed like ten or twelve pilots for Quinn Martin, and almost all of them made it onto the air. The one show 
the one Quinn Martin show he did not direct. He, he didn't direct any canons. And when I asked him why, Walter, in answering that question, he, he told a story about how uh, he was directing the pilot for Barnaby Jones, which featured William Conrad. Right. And it was a, it was, it was a night-for-night shoot, and he's at the top of a flight of stairs at some dockside location. And Grauman told Conrad, okay, Bill, I need you to run up the stairs. And Conrad says, I'm not going to run, run, run up. I'm not going to run up the stairs. And, and, and basically, long story short, you know, Grauman said, Bill, do it. And so he did it. And I don't know whether one had anything to do with, do, do with the other, but Walter Grauman never directed any episodes again. <laughs> I suspect there's a, bar, there's a connection there. Yeah. Uh, uh, music for Primetime by John Burlingame, available Oxford University Press, wherever books are sold. Uh, John, John Burlingame also produced, uh, is the producer, and he also co-wrote the liner notes for the three-volume a CD a collection of, of the best of Quinn Martin music for television available from uh, La La Land Records with the fourth edition coming out very soon. And when that happens, we'll have John back on. He also hosts a podcast called Four Scores, F-O-R Scores. And so is that, uh, do, do you do you feature, I'm not, I'll, I'll confess, I've not listened to your show yet, but do, do you list, do you like, um, do, you fe- do you feature a particular um, composer or a, or a theme or how do you, how do you go about your podcast? Yeah, it's basically, um, it's, it's underwritten by the Disney company. Okay. But the great thing about that, and the reason I said yes to it, was because Disney basically gives you access to Lucasfilm and Marvel and National Geographic and Disney and Pixar projects. So so composers who have worked on all of these different things through the years um, have been guests on my podcast. So uh, it's been great fun, and we've done both television and film projects over the years. Four Scores, the podcast hosted by John Burlingame, available wherever you find Audio. I want to ask you. To me, there are like three eras of TV themes. There's there's the era that up to say the 80s, much of, much of which we've been you know talking about over right. the course of our conversation, and then um, there is this there is a stretch in the 90s where um, composers would write a theme, but you would never hear that theme because uh, this this is the era when uh, the the networks would they they start experimenting with the starting times of shows they would start them at like 903 or 905 they were called supersized and there was they're competing with the Ted Turner beginning with odd and they were beginning with the on with HBO shows and so you would never there would be themes written for television that you would never hear uh, and then the last 20 years where and this is this is also part. I mean, I, I know that some HBO shows like Sex and the City that 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 has a theme written for that show, uh, but a lot of the, 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 there's been a lot of use of established pop songs as TV themes. I used to think that was a cop out, but I'm beginning to think differently because even if you, it, 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 depending on what show you're talking about, I mean. I, I, I suppose it'd be sacrilege to say, okay, when I hear who who are you, I think of CSI. But if you're a CSI fan, if you hear who are you, that's going to get you in the mood for the show, which is what a good TV theme show does. What do you think about that? Well, first off, I'm a realist about the business and always have been. And so while I may prefer 
original music specifically tailored to a television show by a composer who understands the show and and is and is a partner in the storytelling. Um, I also understand the fact that a lot of um, modern television showrunners prefer pre-existing tunes that they think also convey the feeling or the vibe of the show that they've got. Um, uh, the Sopranos being a classic example of an HBO show with a pre-existing song that basically became famous mm -hmm. as a result of its mm -hmm. use on The Sopranos. Um, I seem to remember The Wire uh, had an uh, used, uh, utilized an, an existing song, for example. Yeah, we're, curr we're currently watching uh, Suits on oh, Netflix. Right, right. And that theme, I think that's a pre-existing song called Greenback Boogie. And as we get ready to watch, you know, season two or whatever, we're watching it each night, we're kind of humming the theme as we get. And I'm, and I'm thinking that's what a that's what a theme song does. It gets you in the mood to watch that show, whether it's originally composed, which is much, which is what John writes about in Music for Primetime, or chosen for that show. Yeah, that's right. And and so uh, it's it's what. Ever the filmmaker feels is the best choice to, as you say, get in the mood for that show. Uh, now, in the case of House of Cards, uh, David Fincher, who produced and directed the pilot, wanted an original score and brought in Jeff Beale to write that uh, that really memorable piece featuring, you know, solo trumpet and and sort of puts you in the mood for a Washington political drama. Um, so, and when you think about shows like Succession or The Mandalorian, those are, are cases where composers are brought in early, uh, work with the showrunners to come up with just the right sound and just the right, um, if I can say, attitude musically for each one of these shows. So, um, and I think both the, the Succession and Mandalorian scores have been very successful. And even, like, uh, uh, we just we we finished watching Mrs. Maisel. Oh yeah, couple. And I think the theme itself is an original piece of music, but it it uses a lot of established songs. That's right. As sort of to help tell the story, and it's not music written for that show, but it's music that helps punctuate. This is dovetailing what you just said. There are a lot of there are a lot of choices made. Yeah. Uh, deliberate choices made, so it's not it's not just shortcutting it. You know? Yeah, music supervision, which is that whole business of yeah. incorporating songs, generally pre-existing songs, into a drama, yeah. dates back to the days of Miami Vice, mm -hmm. which although it had original music by Jan Hammer, including a, a top-selling theme, uh, there was a lot of pre-existing songs interpolated into those into the sort of narrative of every show. That was the beginning of music supervision in television, which is now very very big. The music supervisor in a television show often has more power and more sway than the composer himself or herself. Next time you're on, uh, besides your uh, the uh, volume four of your Quinn Martin series, I want to spend some time talking about TV themes that charted. Oh, yeah. We, we can easily spend an hour about that. Oh, for sure. But in the meantime, John Burlingame is the author of Music for Primetime, a history of American television themes and scoring available bookstores everywhere, Oxford University Press. You can also find it at Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. John Burlingame, it is always fun to chat with you. I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much, Ed. It's been such a pleasure to be here. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One more, and I want to tell you about the Full Circle 
a collaboration led by Astrid Kastenberg and Katia Gerviez that takes place twice a month at the Women's Club of South Pasadena, 1424 Fremont Avenue in South Pasadena, California. The Full Circle is based on the premise that all of us are our own best self-healers, and that movement is medicine. Participants in the Full Circle gather together in a ritual circle to empower our bodies, minds, and spirits. Astrid and Katya use various ancient practices of breathwork, tai chi, chakras, meditation, oracle, and more, while the evening ends with a restorative healing yoga sequence to help us embody and integrate our intentions. The Full Circle takes place on the second and fourth Thursday of every month at the Women's Club of South Pasadena. For more information, go to kotalife.com, C-O-T-A-L-I-F-E, kotalife.com, or go to at kotalifegoddess on Instagram or at Katya Gerviez on Instagram. Hey, everybody, this is Jay, it's Moses Black, and you are listening to TV Confidential with one of my best friends. <laughs> Ed Robertson, a reminder that Resurrection Walk becomes available in bookstores everywhere beginning Tuesday, November 7th. You can also find it at Amazon.com, where the books are sold online. For more, Michael Connolly, MichaelConnolly.com. Also a reminder that Music for Primetime, a history of American television themes and scoring, is available in bookstores everywhere from Oxford University Press. You can also find Music for Primetime, Amazon.com, where the books are sold online. Ed Robertson, about Tony Figueroa, Donna Allen, Phil Grice, and Greg Airbar. Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.